It was into a dark and very broken world that God came to us as a babe lying in a manger, right? We, we sometimes forget that's the story. That's the, that's the reason for the season. That God came to us as a baby born in a manger who would grow to be a man, who would die on the cross, and who would rise again on the third day to bring hope to a world that um, maybe just believes that, that's, that there is no such thing as hope or love. There is. Erin was seven years old when she was first molested. And she felt ashamed because she felt ashamed and that somehow in her little seven-year-old girl's logic, she thought it was her fault. She never told anybody. She just felt. And in an effort to push off those feelings, she began as a little girl as our minds do as human beings, as we try to protect ourselves from the things that hurt, she be began subconsciously really at first to build walls around herself so that um, she wouldn't be hurt again. She, she thought if anybody, um, people might hurt me physically, but they're not going to hurt me, is kind of the way she was thinking. But Aaron became so good at building these walls so that no one could get in and hurt her. Um, she, she was so good at building these walls that, that no one literally could get in, which made her feel very lost and alone. Because, you see, even when you're hurt, you still want to be loved, right? Even though you want to push people away because they've hurt you, you still want to be loved. That's just the human condition. And... And she wanted to be loved, but because she was so good at this, she wasn't being loved. And that hurts, of course, and, you know, you add that onto the other hurts. So she, um, as she grew, she did everything that she could imagine or that she could think of that would try to help dull the pain. She would um, go from one physical relationship to another seeking intimacy, but really not letting anybody in. She became um, involved with drugs and alcohol in an effort to dull the pain. But that's all it did. And she, finally, she just was convinced that, that this was her lot in life. That she wouldn't ever be loved. And she was pretty convinced that she would never, even God couldn't love her. And one of the reasons why she thought was, was believing in the idea that God couldn't love her is because her dad was an atheist. And he had just told her that believing in God is foolish. Her mom, on the other hand, was a Christian, but because she had been hurt and treated badly by some folks in the church, in, her, in Aaron's mind, the way she kind of translated all that was, if, well, if God would reject someone like my mom as good as she is, he'd surely reject someone like me that is broken and Sinful, right? This Christmas season here at um, Prairie Bible Church, 
we have been hearing stories. We've been hearing stories uh, of people whose DNA God has chosen to use to bring Christmas into the world, right? And what we have discovered is that um, many of these people, and what we will continue to discover, is that many of these people who God used to bring Christmas into the world, who used to bring Jesus into the world, because that's what Christmas is about, many of these people were as messed up and broken as Aaron. God used messed up, broken people to bring Christmas into the world. You think, well, why would God do that? Well, I'll tell you why God did that. It's because God is continually and constantly trying to remind humanity, people like you and me, that there is no brokenness, that there is no sin that is so bad that it will keep him away from you. In all actuality, the only thing that can possibly keep this God of ours away from you is you. There is nothing so bad or so broken that the God of the universe can't overcome it. So that's why God chose to use um, these broken and sinful people to bring. That's one of the reasons why he did was because he wanted to um, demonstrate to you that it's, I'm there. I'm okay. It's okay. I'm there. Today I want to tell you one of the stories of one of these people, these broken people that God used to bring Christmas into the world. I want to tell you the story of one of Jesus' great, 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 I didn't count back all the generations, but one of his great, 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 great grandmas. And her name was Rahab. Now, how Rahab became a part of the, the Christmas story is kind of crazy in and of itself because Rahab uh, was not a religious person and she was not a, um, she was not even a part of the Jewish race, which is what we know from Scripture was from whom um, salvation would come to the world, from whom Christmas would come to the world. She wasn't even a Jew. But what she was, maybe you already know this, is she was a prostitute. Now, how Rahab became a prostitute, got into this line of business, I have no idea. But what we do know from the stories in the Scripture is that she came from a, what, at least on the surface, appears to be a relatively normal family. She had a mom and a dad, just like you. She had brothers and sisters, now, what kind of relationships they had, we don't know. What, um, none of that. We don't know any of that. Did she end up in this line of business because she had been molested like Aaron? I don't know. Maybe she ended up doing what she's doing because that was, her family was so destitute. That was the only way that they could make ends meet. That happens in the world all, even today. Did you know that? That some families, because they can't, they don't have any other way to survive, will literally sell their children into the sex slave business. I don't know. I don't know how she got to where she was, but she was in a bad place, and it was about to get even messier. Because as the story of Rahab goes, 
Um, people in the land had heard of a great army that was um, descending upon them. That was, it wasn't, and it wasn't just any army. It was the army of the Lord. It was Israel. And they had heard all of these stories. These stories had preceded the, the army. And, and the story was that, that God himself had rescued Israel from the greatest army in the world at that particular point, which was Egypt. That God himself had intervened and, and dried up the Red Sea so that the people of God, the, the Israelites, could escape. Which meant that anybody who stood up against or anybody that was in the way of the army of the Lord was in trouble. And now trouble was literally at her front door because this is what was happening. Unbeknownst to most people, um, Israel had sent some spies out ahead of them, out ahead of the army, just to, to scout things out. And when they came to Jericho, which was um, Rahab's town, her city, um, someone found out, and the spies were being chased by the authorities in Jericho. And in an effort to try to um, kind of get lost in the crowd or in the city, they came to this brothel, thinking that they, they could just blend in maybe. They came to the door, and they were inspired as, they came, as, as Rahab comes to the door. They said, we just need to be honest. Would you hide us? We're being chased. And she, in that instant, she had to make a decision. And she said, yes, I will. And she, she took them up onto the roof and she hid them. And as she was hiding them, the authorities of Jericho end, end up at her door. And she comes to the door and says, hey, have you seen these guys? You've heard the, all the stories where there's some spies in the land and, and we've been chasing them all about the city and, and we just wondered maybe they stopped here. And she says, you know, I, I think I might have seen them but I, and, and I saw some, some folks that I really didn't know heading off in that direction. So the authorities, they, they headed off in that direction thinking that they might find these spies. And when they had gone, um, Rahab, the prostitute, goes to, up onto the roof where she had hidden um, the spies, and it says that she looked at them and she said, I know. I know that your God is God of both heaven and earth. I know it. Therefore, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, and I would encourage you to read this story yourself if you haven't read it for a while. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, she makes this request of them. She says, um, I want you to swear to God that you will be as kind to my mom and dad and to my brothers and sisters as I have been to you today. I don't know what the backstory is. You know, we just talked about that, right? But in my mind's eye, I have this vision of, you know, maybe there was an estrangement between them. Maybe they were ashamed of her. I don't know. But she still loved them, right? 
And the, the only thing she asked for was, would you promise to take care of my mom and my dad and my brothers and my sisters? From this day forward, from that day forward, the kindness and the faithfulness of Rahab the prostitute has been remembered throughout the generations. And not just by the, by the Jews, but by us, right? And here's something even more cool that you may or may not be aware of. The kindness and the faithfulness of Rahab the prostitute was remembered and honored by God himself, too. Because this is the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that Rahab the prostitute married a man from the tribe of Judah. She married a Jew. Which is kind of interesting. And Rahab the prostitute had a son named Boaz. Maybe some of you have heard of Boaz. And, and Boaz, her son, was the great-grandfather of a little boy named David who would um, kill a, a giant with a slingshot. Remember that story? Who would one day become a king. And it would be through the line of David, the king, that would come the king of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus. In other words, it would be through a broken, sinful, messed up prostitute named Rahab that thousands of years later, people in a, would be sitting in a lunchroom in Iowa celebrating Christmas. What do you think about that story? That we would be sitting here today celebrating the birth of a baby that was born in a barn who would grow to be a man who would die on the cross who would rise again on the third day giving hope to broken and hopeless people like Rahab. Which brings us back to Aaron's story, by the way. Remember Aaron, right? Don't want you to forget Aaron. Aaron grew up trying to dull the pain that we talked about earlier in all variety of different ways, spiraling deeper and deeper into um, depression and despair. And one, this is a true story, by the way, if you're wondering. One day, Aaron is walking, during this time of year, she's walking down the streets of New Orleans. And she comes upon a street corner preacher who is proclaiming the reason for the season, if you will, who is proclaiming that Christmas isn't about Santa Claus and, and uh, shopping and this and that, you know, all the things that we as good Americans make it out to be. Christmas is about um, the fact that God loved you so much that, that He was willing to, 
uh, be born as a, a babe lying in a manger, that he would, and that, that he loved you, and he came because he loves you, and all that you need to do is, 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 is in order to go to heaven is, is believe in him. Well, as Aaron's walking by, um, instead of just ignoring what she would have otherwise done, something welled up inside of her, and she, and she began to argue with him. He wasn't even paying attention, but all of a sudden he hears this voice from the crowd saying, I don't believe a word you are saying. If heaven, if you get to heaven because you're good, I blew that a long time ago. And the fact that you talk about love, I don't even know what love looks like. And the street corner preacher stops and he turns to this, this woman that's making a scene but instead of looking at her with condemnation or thinking, what in the world are you doing? He has love in his eyes, compassion for her. And he listens to her as she rants. And he says, darling, you don't have to do this anymore. This Jesus I'm talking about, he loves you. And you don't have to clean up the mess that you've made out of your life to go to heaven. You just need to receive this love that he has for you. Your whole life you've been searching for your long lost love. And, and today on the street corner he's found you. You found him. And all you have to do is believe. I'm going to stop right there for just a second because there's something very important that you all need to hear. And maybe there's somebody that's going to be listening on Facebook this week or next week or on YouTube. Maybe there's somebody that needs to hear what I'm about to say. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody out there. If there's any part of you that feels like Aaron or Rahab, who feels like God's mad at you. God doesn't want anything to do with you because you're messed up and you're broken. Listen. Listen to me. God loves you. And there's absolutely nothing that you could have done or that you could be right now that would keep him from you. There's no brokenness. There's no sin that will keep him from you. There is hope. And there is love. I mean, I'm talking about what love is supposed to be, right? Not the broken stuff that we make the, the world makes it into. I'm talking about there's love. And it's meant for you. Healing is meant for you. And his name is Jesus. And all you have to do is believe. Oh, I know what some of you are thinking right now. 
Some of you are thinking, that's too much. I can't believe. You don't, have under, you don't know where I've been, Pastor. You don't know how hard it is for me to believe this stuff that you're talking about. It's not that simple. Okay, I believe you. So this is what I'm going to challenge you to do. If there's so much doubt within you that you can't just believe this offer of love that God is making to you, I, I, I'm just going to ask you to make a choice. And you know what the choice is? Simply accept it. Even in the midst of your doubts, accept the love that Jesus is offering to you. And then tomorrow, make the choice to accept the love that Jesus... And then the next day, accept the love. And you keep doing that every day until one day, you know what's going to happen? One day you're going to turn around because you've been accept, making the conscious choice every day to accept the love that Jesus is... One day you're going to turn around and you're going to go, not only do I accept it, I believe it. Because I see it. I feel it. Because every time you make the conscious choice to accept that love that Jesus has for you, you're basically knocking down those bricks that you've been using to build the wall. Every conscious choice that you make is, that one's done. That one is done. And all of a sudden, this light from heaven, as though the light from heaven comes down and shines on you and says, there is hope. Even in the midst of my brokenness and my sin and this messiness that is my life, there is hope. And I choose it. There is love. And I want it. And one day you will say, and I believe it. Right? The only one, the only thing that can keep you from that love is you. The devil may be whispering in your ear right now saying, don't you do it. That's dangerous. It'll change everything. Besides that, you're a mess. Remember? I've been telling you your whole life, you're a mess. You're not worthy of nothing. Don't you listen to it. Listen, listen to me, at least right now. <laughs> Accept it. Make the choice. Except Jesus. And there will be a day. Maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's next week, or maybe it's six months from now. But if you keep making the conscious choice, there'll be a day that you believe it. Let's pray. Lord, I, I've, been, I've been feeling so burdened this week because I know I believe every week is, um, is God-ordained, that you have, you'd had a plan for it. I believe that for every moment of every day. But I've had this burden this week, knowing and believing that there are people like Aaron and Rahab who feel so broken and so messed up that there's no hope. I'm asking by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, that you would, you would anoint those people with your love and your hope. 
that you would begin today to break the bonds of the devil. He's thought that he's had you uh, wrapped and, and imprisoned from the love of God. But that, that imprisonment ends today in healing. I'm praying healing and hope and love and salvation upon those folks, whoever they are. Maybe some of them are sitting right in this lunchroom today and maybe some of them are scattered throughout the world. I don't know. But I'm praying that, that on the wings of the Holy Spirit that you would, you would send out that hope and that, that healing and that salvation and that love. Not because I'm anything special, because I'm not, but because you are Jesus. And because the Holy Spirit's power is just waiting to be unleashed by the church. Move, Jesus. Move in people's lives. I pray, Lord, that you would break down the prisons that the devil has worked so meticulously to build. Break them down with every choice, conscious choice to accept, break it down. And may you be glorified. May each person who experiences the healing and the freedom give the glory to you because you're the only one that can do it. And may that become like a, a pebble in the pond that, that just reverberates out into the world. Every healing heart, every soul that has been transformed, may it serve as a, a pebble in the pond, transforming a world and a culture, communities who have believed that there is no hope and there is no such thing as love. May they know today, beginning today, that there is. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said.